With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by In We Go. I'm Henry Chisholm. Um, yesterday was a bit of a dark podcast talking about Buffs basketball. We might get into the Buffs later on today, but there's some stuff I want to say about this coaching staff um, because a couple more pieces are in place uh, on the football side of things. I'm pretty excited to dig into that. It was an exciting day of hires. Maybe there's even more on the way. It's only like three o'clock. That's plenty of time how quickly Carl Durrell has been moving, filling things out. I think he has his defensive staff set now. There is a small chance that they'll bring in another guy, but I'd really doubt it. We'll dig into all the details later on. But, uh, you know, for it, it's been a weird time. Um, you, you think back to like a month ago when Mel Tucker's leaving, the football side of things, it seems like everything is breaking down. Um, meanwhile, on the basketball side, everything's going well. The Buffs are ranked. They're on pace for a pretty sick seed in the NCAA tournament. They look like the favorites to win the Pac-12. And then now here we are, three, four weeks later, and football seems pretty great, to be honest. Um, I actually think the Buffs might be in a better spot right now than they were um, right before Mel left. Um, meanwhile, things have, I can't swear, but they've gone to something on the basketball side. <sighs> maybe we need a day off from that. Depends on how long it takes me to explain how excited I am about this football stuff. But what a weird shift. In just a few weeks, we've gone from the sky is falling in football to the sky is falling in basketball and from the the sky is the ceiling in basketball to the sky is the ceiling in football. Um, so yeah, lots of coaching stuff to come especially why I'm so excited about these two guys the Buffs added today. And this is legitimate. Um, we'll dig in. We'll dig in in a second. I know I've been pretty high on a bunch of different coaches that we've talked about with the Buffs. Um, even Brett Bielema back in the day. Um, but before we dig into all that, I want to tell you a little bit more about In We Go. It's an incredible service. If you guys have been listening to the podcast the last couple of days, you know how much this service means to me and my life and how it makes me as somebody you know 
I, I was talking to Wright Thompson, who's one of my favorite writers ever. He wrote some incredible things. He wrote like Michael Jordan is 50, um, which was an awesome piece. And there's like a whole bunch of different stories. And um, this was a few years ago, obviously, about like Wright being in MJ's closet while MJ's trying to find a championship ring that he lost. Um, talking to people about like the stories of MJ going into their closet and like seeing a bunch of Puma gear and just taking scissors to it and saying, call this number. He'll get you hooked up with Nike stuff. But just these really cool stories behind the scenes, like long form profiles. He wrote an awesome one on Ichiro. Um, I think last summer, um, after the last combine, he wrote something awesome about like behind the scenes at the combine. Um, you know, there's like the, everybody's talking about the shrimp cocktails at the combine this year. That's because Wright Thompson, in his story last year, told everybody how important those are to all the decision makers and how they all meet at that steakhouse for the shrimp cocktails. And now it's become like a thing. So he's an incredible writer in my mind, like the best sports writer alive. And, uh, I talked to him and I remember him saying something like, uh, it's in my notebook. I I probably should have pulled it out word for word, but I didn't really know this is where we were going today. But he said, you know, it's kind of a tough time to get into sports media, but there's never been a better time to be in the top 1% of what you do. Um, and, and so that's kind of like this thing right now. I'm not in that top 1% and this is a really roundabout way of saying that. And it's not like I'm made of cash and in we go makes that lifestyle so much easier. Again, I think it's like $45 a month for four tickets. They have pretty much every Nuggets game, every pretty much every Rockies game, pretty much every uh, Avalanche game, um, Mammoth, and then they have a bunch of concerts. And the food festivals are really the best bang for your buck, in my opinion. It's an incredible service. Just incredible. Um I think my favorite part is that you don't know what seat you're going to get. Um, and so like for the Rockies, for example, if, if you go like 10 times with their tickets, you're probably going to be up in the 300 level a, a couple of times, a few times. You're going to be in the 100 level a couple of times. You're going to be in the club level a couple of times. There are actually a surprising number of club level tickets. Like you'll be in the outfield and they just put you everywhere. Um, it's not like they're just giving you the worst tickets at the venue. You actually get some pretty cool stuff and it all just depends on I'm pretty sure which tickets sell like the Rockies actually sell themselves and what's available and they just throw whatever's left to in we go. And then like two hours before you check in and they will give you your ticket and tell you where you are. It's, it's really cool service. Cannot recommend it enough. And you can try it for free for an entire month. That's like four free tickets. Uh, You could, you could go to four nuggets games or two nuggets games and two avalanche games while they're going down the stretch, getting ready for the playoffs for free with the code DNVR. Um, there's no excuse not to do it. Again, my advice is the food festivals. The food festivals, those are like $100 tickets that you get in. It's all you can eat. It's all you can drink. And if you're like me, you can get some serious bang for your buck. And when you do the math, it's like $12 for each of those tickets. An absurd deal. Again, first month free, code DNVR. Um, I'll, I won't spend as much time talking about this tomorrow, I promise but I am just so excited to have them back. Um, Also, if you guys have been enjoying this podcast, really appreciate any reviews, um, ratings on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Those make a big difference um, for a bunch of different reasons and really appreciate those. Um, Okay, yeah, I think it's time for sports. Love sports. 
<sighs> okay, football. So, two new coaches today. Uh, first, you get uh, Chris Wilson, a defensive line coach, and then you get Demetrius Martin, who is a DB's coach. Um, we know Chris Wilson's going to be the defensive line coach. It sounds like Demetrius Martin is going to be a defensive backs coach, although there is still some some chance that the Buffs end up going with a safeties coach and a cornerbacks coach, in which case Demetrius Martin is probably your cornerbacks coach, and then they might hire another. The reason I don't think that's going to happen is, well, first of all, the way this has been reported, um, it sounds like he's just straight-up DB's coach, but then also uh, they already have the linebackers split to inside and outside. Um, So typically you you don't split those up and split up uh, the defensive backs. Um, Keeps it four offensive assistant coaches, four defensive, um, at least four position coaches on each side of the ball. Um, so yeah, so that's who it is. Chris Wilson, Demetrius Martin. And, uh, now it's time for me to tell you why I am in love with both of these guys. So actually Chris Wilson, I mean, he's a can't miss hire. He is one of the best defensive line coaches in the business. He's been doing it for a while. He's 51. He has 24 years or no, I think he's going into his 28th year of, uh, college experience or of overall experience for those in the NFL, uh, 23 at the FBS level. He's been very good at what he's done for a very long time. Um, you know, you, you, you look through everywhere he's been, um, you know, he's Oklahoma. He was the defensive line coach, Colorado, actually 2000, 2004, he's a defensive line coach. Remember Justin Bannon came through there. Uh, McChesney came through in that time period, a, a bunch of other guys, um, defensive coordinator at Mississippi state for three years. Um, one is co defensive coordinator. Uh, he was defensive line coach at Georgia at USC. Um, actually from 2016 to 2018, he was the defensive line coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. You may remember that in that time they won a Super Bowl and they did it with Fletcher Cox and, uh, Timmy Jernigan and, uh, Chris Long. These are all guys who worked closely I mean, Chris Wilson was the one who was coaching them this whole time. Um, This is a can't-miss hire. He is now the best defensive line coach in the Pac-12. The Buffs have him. Uh, It's pretty pretty impressive. And actually, so he was set to interview, or I'm, I'm not sure if he was set to interview, but the Buffs wanted to interview him when Mel Tucker was still in charge after Jimmy Brumbaugh left. Um... Uh, that's what I've been told, and uh, they still continued to uh, be interested with Carl Durrell in charge. Obviously, why wouldn't you be? And uh, they landed him, which is massive. Uh, last year was actually the first time since uh, since 1997 that he didn't have a defensive line coaching job. Um, back then he was an outside linebackers coach at Indiana state. It was his fifth year in coaching. Um, since then he's been at Colorado, Oklahoma, Mississippi state, Georgia, USC Eagles. Like those are some great jobs to have. Um, but last year he was with the Arizona Cardinals as a defensive assistant. And, you know, I think he probably could have gotten himself a a better job. He could have gotten himself a defensive line coaching job if he wanted to. I mean, he's coming off 
a stint with the Eagles where he coached some of the biggest names, one of the best defensive lines in the league, and won a Super Bowl. Um, but his son, uh, Caleb, Caleb Wilson, who I believe was a tight end at UCLA. So you guys might remember him. I don't remember him. Um, but he uh, was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft last year, went to the Cardinals, was on the Cardinals practice squad, would make me believe that's why uh, Chris, his father, would want to be with the Cardinals. And this offseason, Caleb was released. He is now with the Redskins, and Chris decided he was willing to move on to Colorado. Um, it's massive. It's massive. Um, I think I think I dropped his name uh, a few weeks ago when we were first talking about the guys who Carl Durrell could bring in. And, uh, you know, he was up there with Tom Cable as the guys who maybe you're able to pull. Uh, you know, you, you bring in Taylor Embry, which is a fantastic hire. We'll probably talk a little bit more about him today, too. But uh, he's kind of the young up-and-comer type. He's somebody who is almost a, a coach who the others will coach. Um, you know, he Embry's going to, in three years, probably be leaving for an offensive coordinator job or sticking around for an offensive coordinator job, depending on how things play out at Colorado. But uh, yeah, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have a very, very experienced defensive line coach. Um, you know, this is the balance you want. You want stars so that they can develop your young guys into stars. Um, so exciting. So exciting. Um, talking about recruiting, you know, I, I have had a couple people on Twitter say they aren't sure about guys switching from the NFL to college or college to the NFL just because it is so different. Chris Wilson, first of all, has all of that experience. I mean, he was recruiting to USC and Georgia and Mississippi State and Oklahoma and Colorado and Illinois State and Indiana State and Northeastern State and Northern Illinois. Oh, Illinois. That was a bad one. Um, you know, he's he's been everywhere. Um, he has so much experience. I'm not too worried about that. Plus, again, he's now walking into recruits' houses wearing a Super Bowl ring. And when they say, huh, where'd you get that? He'll say, well, it was because I coached up Fletcher Cox and made him the highest played de- or paid defensive player in NFL history. So that should play well with, with the high schoolers um, and their parents. Again, he, it, it's almost like a trump card. Who could turn that down? Who could see somebody walk into their house in a Super Bowl ring and say, I just got somebody the biggest contract in defensive history in the NFL. Um, also, you know Chris Long from Twitter? Yeah, work closely with him. If you have any questions, just let me know and I'll give him a ring to see what he thinks. Um, ugh. And then you go back to everywhere else he's been, all the connections he made. Um, I don't even know. Who was on Georgia's 2013 uh, defensive line? I'm going to pull that up. Um, just because I'm curious who is on there. But, I, there, I mean, there has to be somebody. Um, let's see. 2013, Georgia Bulldogs roster. Um, defense. Oh, Michael Bennett, for one. So there's a pretty big name. Uh, so, yeah, that... Oh, and this is just alphabetical. My goodness. So, yeah, just right off the top. They, they had Michael Bennett there. Go ahead and let... Um, let Michael Bennett, who I don't think he ever reset the market in terms of pay. It's possible. Um, 
definitely possible. Oh, that's so, so big. So big. Um, yeah. So I have no complaints at all about that hiring. I think it would be impossible to do any better than, uh, Colorado did. Um, yeah. Also, we're not going to do this for everywhere Chris Wilson has been, but again, he was Oklahoma's defensive line coach from 2005 to 2009. You can't tell me that there weren't some big names coming through his defensive line there. Uh, USC 2014-2015, I bet there's a big one. Um, yeah. Again, just being able to name drop all these people is going to be so massive. Showing them your... Super Bowl ring. <sighs> what a hire. What a hire. Um, I don't know. I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are. I can't find a flaw here. I really can't. Um, if you guys saw the story I put up on this today, th- there was a pretty cool video that the Eagles did with him um, that I threw in, like I embedded into the story um, that was him bake- breaking down a bunch of plays from the defensive line. He's a good coach. I We can probably just leave it at that, but he proved on the board right there that he is a good coach. Um, you'd have to be to have the success that he's had. Um, it's a dream scenario. I've, I was t- talking to other people around the program too. He was one of the names that they kept bringing up saying, wow, if they could get Chris Wilson, if they could get Chris Wilson, or I, I hear they're interested in Chris Wilson and Chris Wilson might be interested too. Um, that panned out. That's a big one. Um, okay. Uh, before we move on to talk about, um, Demetrius Martin, who, uh, I'm also very excited about for some different reasons. Well, recruiting is, I guess, isn't that different. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. They make incredible beers. Um, I cannot... I cannot stress that enough. You know, it's it's making me realize. So so we partnered with Inwego the summer before last. So it was my first summer. So I had it while I was interning here and had even less money to spend. Again, just a godsend. And then we lost that partnership. Like for some reason, the numbers didn't work out. They took a break. We took a break. And now we're back together um, because we realized we really can't live without each other. And... Uh, it's made me realize, like, what if we stop partnering with Breck? Like, how would my life change? And my life would be so different. Um, m- mainly that I wouldn't be able to justify drinking as many Brackenridge beers as I do. I- I'd obviously still keep drinking them, but it wouldn't be, like, I-, I-, I wouldn't be able to feel so good about it. You know, like, I wouldn't be, like, sitting in the office at 11 a.m. drinking a beer once or twice a week. And, uh, that would really be disappointing to me. Um, I really hope that you guys are living this Breckenridge lifestyle too. I know that the Broncos listeners have like 100% bought in. I subbed on that Broncos podcast last week and it's still pretty crazy just how bought in they are to Breckenridge Brewery. But I mean, it kind of makes sense. I and mean, maybe when they're sending in videos of them chugging strawberry sky out of a boot in Montana, you know, that might be a bit much, but they're really enjoying it. I know I've heard from a couple of you guys who are really enjoying it, but we hope that there are more. Uh, Silverbutt, for example, is a big Breck Brew guy, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you guys aren't checking those out, you really just have to. Again, um, 
Oh, there's one more thing I want to tell you, um, especially based on this community stuff. Pause the Breckenridge talk so I can tell you about this really, really cool thing that DNVR is doing. So if you guys know of the Denver Stiffs, um, they're like the SB Nation Nuggets blog. Uh, we have a couple guys who used to work there. And while they work there, they did this really cool thing with, uh, let's see, it's Hope Kids Colorado, where they spend a month, um, this month it's March, trying to or this year it's march this month is march though uh where they raise as much money as they can to send a bunch of kids who have cancer or other life-threatening illnesses to a nuggets game um and they send the families to last year the stiffs raised over ten thousand dollars sent over 500 people to a game this year it's the april 5th game when it's the nuggets and the jazz and so the nuggets are partnering with Denver Sticks, Stiffs, and with DNVR to do this again, and we think we can blow that number out of the water. Um, we want to double those numbers because these are people whose lives are in a tough place. You know, I get stressed out about having to stay up late and wake up early when there's a coaching search to make sure I don't miss anything. That's nothing like what these people have to live through. Um, and you know, if we can give them one day where they get to go to a Nuggets game, um, that would mean the world to them. So, um, if you guys can help again, anything helps, you can donate money to, uh, Hope Kids Colorado. Um, there's a link on our site to do that and they will use it to buy tickets. You can also just buy tickets through a, a link on Ticketmaster and uh, then those tickets will just be given to Hope Kids and Hope Kids will distribute those to the families themselves. So uh, that's another way to do it. Or there's a third way and that's uh, you can buy DNVR socks, which I didn't even know were coming and I'm going to buy a bunch of pairs. Um, again, there's a link on the website, but they're $15 or $14.99, I guess, and $10 of every pair will go to Hope Kids uh, specifically for this event. Um, and if there's any money left over for Ho Hope Kids, um, if they end up with more money than tickets, which is the goal, we want to send everybody who wants to go to this game, um, then they'll keep it and they'll use it for other events, um, other fundraisers, you know, this will go into those funds. Um, it's a really cool thing. I promise I won't plug this as long either on every podcast, but... Um, the more you can do to help, the better, but anything helps. Um, again, it's the April 5th game, so we're raising money up until then. Uh, yeah, so again, another DNVR community type thing. Let's all do our best there and also <laughs> support Breckenridge Brewery. Um, and you can do that by using their beer locator. Um, so this was an ad for Breckenridge Brewery slash sending kids with life-threatening diseases to the time of their life. Uh, your your normal DNVR crossover. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's see. Back into that. Sorry, I clicked on the link to my tweet because we had all those uh, notes in there. And then I got distracted because there were people liking that tweet who never like my tweets, big names in Denver media who still don't follow me, even though I followed them for years. But uh, okay. Uh, the second guy, Demetrius Martin, uh, he is also really exciting for a bunch of different reasons. Um, he's a good coach, first of all. 
Uh, don't want to overshadow that, but he is a great recruiter, which is um, probably what's more exciting. You know, there were the questions about Carl Durrell coming back from the NFL. What is he as a recruiter at this point? <sighs> I don't know. Um, I, I think that he can play things well. I think, you know, he's one of the... He's known as one of the good guys in the NFL. Everybody loves him. Um, that personality will play out. Um, he's not... Think of the things that we ended up not liking about Mel, and Carl does not have any of those qualities. It very much is all about the team. Um, it's very much, let's build this, let me help you, um, and the reputation and we're going to have Ryan Konigsberg on later this week, hopefully because he was at the combine talking with people about Carl Durrell. So he has some interesting insights there. Um, but, uh, again, it's, he is, he gets fulfillment. Like what makes him happy is seeing people he works with succeed. And that is going to play in recruiting. Even if you don't have like the mind games or whatever, um, again, people like people who care about them and that's going to help. But again, um, it is important to have people who are traditionally good college football recruiters, uh, like Darren Cheverini, but also like Demetrius Martin, who is known as one of the very best recruiters of Los Angeles in the entire country. Um, that's been what he's been known for, for a while now, pretty much his entire time in, uh, college football I guess all of it's been the Pac-12 so of course that would make sense that's where he recruits but early on he was kind of tabbed as oh wow how is he pulling all these guys um it helped that he spent let's see so he's been in the Pac-12 since 2006 he was at uh, USC from 2006 to 2007 as a grad assistant, not recruiting a whole bunch, but then uh, at UCLA from 2012 to 2017. So he was recruiting LA guys to LA, which helps. Um, but also he had three years with Washington and he had two years with Arizona and he was still very successful. So I'm not too worried about the recruiting to LA being the reason why he was so good at recruiting LA. Um, Let's talk about why that is. Let's talk about why he is good at recruiting there. Um, again, unless you're actually sitting down in the on a couch with a recruit and his family listening to these pitches, or you're like somehow tapping his phone to see how he communicates. Like, is he constantly texting? What is he saying if he's constantly texting him? The phone calls. Is he spending more time on the phones? Like, we don't know any of those sorts of details. I'd love to ask him, and he's going to be around to do that, which is pretty exciting. But, uh, what we can do is look at his background and see that, first of all, he was born in Los Angeles, so that helps. Then you skip ahead till after he was done with college at Michigan State um, when he spent three years coaching L.A. area high schools. Um, so again, that helps because you get to know that whole community. Um, you get to know all the other coaches in L.A., the high school coaches in L.A., um, and it's very important to have good relationships with those people. Uh, that that's how you get insiders helping you. You know, in the same way that we've been talking about how um, Carl Durrell has all of these people who he knows and who other people know, and so when those other people are interested in coaching on his staff, they go to those connections. Um, they're like mutual friends. If we're talking in Facebook terms or in real life, but Facebook's kind of co-opted that. Um, 
and say, so what's Carl like? And they all say, yeah, Carl's a great guy. You should definitely go work for him if you get the chance. And that helps. It's the same thing in recruiting. You reach out to the high school coaches you know and say, hey, do you have anybody down there I should be interested in? And they'll say, well, obviously this guy's a five-star, but this three-star over here, you might want to keep an eye on him. Um, I would definitely check that out. And then when uh, Demetrius decides he wants to go talk to these kids, those kids go to their coaches and say, so what's up with this guy? And uh, the coach says, uh, you want to play for him. Trust me, he's a, he's a good person. He'll do what's best for you. You want to play with him. And that's what gives that little extra kickstart, um, that little bonus to your attempt to recruit somebody. Um, so yeah, he, he had those three years as a high school coach in California, in Los Angeles, to build those connections, to get to know those coaches. Um, and then uh, he was actually, for the next five years, a uh, defensive backs coach at junior colleges in that area um, from <sighs> Pasadena City College was one of them. And then also Mount San Antonio College, both of them just outside Los Angeles. Um, And again, those five years, you're spending a lot of time recruiting the LA area. Uh, Those those JUCOs over there are typically bringing in, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 90% LA kids. Um, That's more time to be building a repertoire with coaches and I think that recruit or recruiting for those JUCO schools is extra valuable because a lot of the time, obviously there's a reason that those kids are going to JUCO. Some of them, they're just not good enough to play Division One football and they need more time to develop. Um, but a lot of them have trouble with grades or maybe they have some sort of criminal history that means that D1 schools aren't willing to offer them and, and they need to rehab their grades, rehab their reputation, um, maybe just build strength. And uh, a, a lot of times coaches kind of get attached to those kids. You know, if, if you're a high school coach and you have a kid who's struggling with school, um, is in a bad spot, you spend a lot of time saying, hey, you got to pull it together. Come on, let me help you. And uh, when you spend that time doing that, you start to pull for those kids. Um, when you're a guy like Demetrius Martin, who's recruiting for those JUCOs, you're talking to those coaches about those kids and saying, Hey, is this somebody who we really can clean up? Um, somebody who we can polish and get ready to go to D one and, you know, can he help our program in the year or two before he does? And the coach really wants to find a spot for those kids because, you know, if you're struggling with grades, um, sometimes football is really all you have. And when Demetrius is coming in, giving those kids opportunities, um, that builds relationships. That builds relationships with all those high school coaches. So Demetrius knows everybody in LA. He's scouted every high school in LA. He's talked to all the coaches and he's built relationships with a lot of them. Um, so that's going to help. Again, three years coaching high school as a head coach of high schools, um, and then five years as defensive backs at L.A. area junior colleges. He's a big part of the L.A. football scene, even if he hasn't spent all that much time there since. You know, his first two years in college football coaching was were as a grad assistant with USC. Then uh, Sarkeesian, remember Steve Sarkeesian? Haven't talked about him in a week. Uh, 
when he got the Washington job, um, one of his first hires was Demetrius Martin as cornerbacks coach. Um, and then, uh, Obviously, it was Pete Carroll who gave him his coaching start at USC. Um, and then uh, when Jim Mora Jr. took over at UCLA, uh, he gave uh, Demetrius um, the defensive backs job there as, you know, in, in Mora's first year. Again, in that first round of coaching hires. So, uh, first you get the cosigns, which are pretty important. Uh, Pete Carroll brings them in. Then Steve Sarkeesian wants him as part of his first staff. And then Jim Mora Jr. wants him as part of his first staff at UCLA. Um, so that's a good look. Uh, those are coaches who you want to be wanted by. Um, and then uh, he's been at Arizona's cornerbacks coach the past two seasons. They fired their defensive coordinator, replaced most of their defensive staff. Um, actually, Demetrius was the last part of the previous defensive staff that was still around. Colorado poached him. Um, so now that's 100% turnover for that staff, which is uh, a crazy number. But uh, yeah, he's coming to Colorado. He brings those ties. Um, well regarded as a defensive backs coach, but mostly known for his recruiting. You know, um, if you guys listen to the draft podcast, uh, or I guess as Buffs fans, you've played Darnay Holmes a couple of times, that UCLA defensive back. That was. Um, a guy who Demetrius recruited and then coached um, a five-star cornerback out of LA, brought him to UCLA, and now he's... I think it's more likely he's a third-round pick than a second-round pick, but that's kind of the area we're talking about Darnay Holmes falling in, in the NFL draft in a couple of months. So there's a whole list of those guys that Demetrius was the lead on. He is a great recruiter, particularly, particularly of LA. Um, we talk a lot about how we want the buffs to be expanding into, you know, that old big eight territory, getting those big boys playing power football, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, uh, Chris Wilson with all those Oklahoma ties actually played at Oklahoma back in the day. That'll help there. But, uh, if you're a Pac-12 school, you have to have some sort of success recruiting L.A. Demetrius Martin immediately should be a massive bump. Also, Carl Terrell, as somebody who spent a lot of time at UCLA, obviously as a head coach, um, I th he was at USC for a bit too, I believe, off the top of my head. I haven't looked through his notes. All these names just in schools that they coach for start to blur together just a little bit working on keeping them separate but uh you know he has those ties as well knows everybody in that scene um i'm excited i'm excited and also you know if uh you uh also i don't know demetrius may never have been fired because i'm pretty sure sarkeesian just like hired him away from usc gave him a, the promotion from GA to cornerbacks coach. Um, but then I think that he was poached to UCLA from the Washington staff. So again, this is a good coach. Um, and the fact that Colorado was able to pull him from Arizona with no promotion, probably a pay raise. There's that assistant coach bonus pool, um, coming up again. But, uh, that's another big win. It'll be interesting to see who he targets. It'll be interesting to see if you see any uh, transfers from Arizona who want to come over. Um, the, the, the cornerbacks 
are pretty pretty uh set at colorado i'm I'm not sure how whether they could even take in another which is pretty crazy to say after where they were a year ago but you have those young guys we all like you have a couple coming back from injury and then you have like you know nigel bethel who is a grad transfer who should be getting some time this year i should also note brendan pine the linebacker who i think was he boston college he was coming over to colorado from as a grad transfer uh linebacker potential star replacement for davion taylor maybe uh he is back in the transfer portal this was a few days ago that it happened but uh not a huge surprise mel liked him because of the high school he went to um i think mel actually went to that high school um in ohio had a bond there so when mel left not a big surprise that pine left as well um you know i'm not sure if he can go to michigan state i i don't know off the top of my head what their linebacker situations like whether they have room for another but uh if there isn't then he's another guy who's left in a bad spot um because he'll be in the portal looking for a new home Um, maybe he transfers back to where he was last year um yeah uh so that was, those are some thoughts on the two new coaches. I'm obviously really excited for both. I think both could be uh, really big going forward. And I think that, you know, when you it was tough losing Jimmy Brumbaugh. I think Chris Wilson's probably a, a unanimous upgrade at that position. Um, defensive backs, I mean, Demetrius is... A, a great <laughs> he's it's it, i don't know whether uh, i guess here's here's what i'm trying to say so i haven't seen a lot of people praise what he was as a coach um although you know he does he has coached a bunch of guys who've gone on to do big things um but you've seen a bunch of praise as a recruiter you look through the list of names of guys he's recruited and that's a pretty great list um so We'll see what he is as a coach. I would guess that he's a very good coach. Um, I don't think that Carl would bring him in if he's not. Again, he's kept emphasizing we want teachers. Um, he's not looking for cheerleader types. He's looking for guys who know how to teach the game of football. Um, and it definitely helps that uh, Demetrius has the the reputation he does as a recruiter. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Pac-12, your lead Los Angeles recruiter has to be good at his job if you're going to compete. You know, there's a bunch of other areas you want to pull kids from, especially if you want to play the style of football that Colorado wants to play. But in the Pac-12, you have to be able to recruit LA, and Colorado just got a lot better at doing that. Um, Real quick, I'm going to let Ryan tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. 
I also want to tell you really quickly about Bojo's Pizza. They have an incredible deal going on right now where if you mention DNVR, then you can get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. That's kind of like one of their things that they're known for, especially because, you know, they put the honey in the crust of their pizza. It's locally sourced honey, of course. It's like good stuff. It's not that little... It's not like the stuff that comes in the bear jar, which I, you know what? Here's the truth. If I were to try a bunch of different kinds of honey, I'm not sure I could tell the difference. But uh, if they are bringing in local honey, then I'd guess it's for a reason. And it it has to be good. Um, you can also get Bojo's through DoorDash um, now, which is awesome. Um, that, that might be how I have to check them out because I still haven't had time to actually go get food. Um, but... The dough, like I said, contains locally sourced honey. They make it fresh every day. They're honey cheese breads to die for. Everybody loves it. Somebody from DNVR, it might have been Kale, was over there over the weekend. He sent another picture of it to the group chat, made everybody hungry, and I, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Uh, again, mention DNVR. Get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree at any location. Okay. Um... <sighs> There are a lot of things. I didn't plan on spending 20 minutes each on both of those guys, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about Taylor Embry, who's the tight ends coach. I can't even remember if we've had a chance to talk about him on the podcast because when you're having conversations with like five people over the phone and then with yourself on a podcast and then you're writing things, sometimes you forget one thing or another. Taylor Embry, though, is a perfect hire for me. Um, especially considering where they've gone in other positions. You, you want this balance of experienced coaches who know what they're doing and young coaches who are kind of up-and-comers, um, guys who you think, hey, if, if things go the way we think they're going to go, then he's going to be pushing for an offensive coordinator job here in two, three years, even though he is only 31 you know, he's he's a guy who could very easily get on that fast track, young, up and coming head coach uh, trail that we've seen a bunch of guys follow. Um, for those who don't know, Taylor Embry is the son of John Embry. He uh, has been a uh, quality control coach with the uh, San Francisco 49ers where his dad has been coaching uh, John famously uh, former Buffs head coach um, so Taylor is going to be the tight ends coach he's going to be um, I don't know I, I, I can't say he's going to be successful but I can say that he's going to be really interesting to watch because of the potential for success his father John coaches the tight ends and is also the assistant head coach of the 49ers you may remember that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl this year and a big reason why was their tight end George Kittle um, Embry has been in charge John Embry has been kind of in charge of George Kittle's development over the last few years since he got into the league and Taylor has also had some pretty hands-on experience there as well um, he's mostly been working with the tight ends um, so that's a good sign when you're working with the best tight end in the NFL and uh, you're now coming to Colorado uh, best case scenario Taylor knows very well how to coach tight ends and is really ahead of the game for his age and can come in and say, um, 
here's everything you need to do, Brady Russell. Here's everything you need to do, um, Caleb Foria or any of these guys. This tight end group, I think low-key might have a bunch of potential. Um, And I say low-key because I think that that might be kind of a hot take. Um, We're only, what, one year removed from an 18 total catch. I think it was 18 catches over two seasons um, before last year for all of the Colorado tight ends. Haven't pulled that stat out in a while, but I think Brady Russell beat that himself this year. Um, The tight end is going to be used more, especially in this West Coast offense. Um, And, you know, when you, at first glance, you don't say, huh, this is going to be a great group of tight ends. But... I think there's the potential there for them to be very good. Um, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to bet on it yet, but when you look through the roster, first of all, obviously Brady Russell, um, what a guy, you know, every time you think he's going to get beat out, um, he still continues to be their best option there. Now he's going to be a junior. I'm excited to see what he can do. Six three two fifty five. 255. Um, He's the guy. Uh, it's somebody you can move around. And I think that for a guy like him who, you know, he isn't a speed guy. He isn't a power guy. He isn't a blocker. He isn't a route runner. He's just a pretty well-rounded guy. I think that he's the type who you can coach up and make him kind of like a, a hack for the game. Um, but then the real questions are what's going on behind him. You know, Jared Poplowski is reported a week or two ago that he tore his ACL. That means that in terms of experienced tight ends, you have a junior legend Brumbaugh who has the body to be really good. You also have Luke Stillwell, a sophomore who, you know, he could see some real playing time. CJ Schmansky. But then also, um, oh, and I guess I'm, I'm on the wrong roster but uh also you have um Caleb Foria who will be a freshman and is a little bit undersized still but because of the way he plays the him being more of a receiving threat than a true like pound him tight end I think he could potentially see the field as that receiving threat um, if things go well, I, you know, kind of that split tight end, that H back, maybe let him move around. Um, and then Luis Passarello, who is six, five, two forty five, also a freshman. I, I, I like all of these guys. Um, I like them all for different reasons. I, I really like both these incoming tight ends, um, because of their potential. Who knows what they can do early on? I like Brady Russell because he is a very good football player who has the perfect attitude for a football player. He likes to go out there and hit people. That's what you want out of a tight end. Um, and then you look at guys like Legend Brumbaugh who could be ready to break out. Um, he has the body of a tight end. You look at him and say, huh, he could make some plays at the Pac-12 level. Um, questions, just whether whether Taylor is ready to develop them. And like I was saying, you know, he he's the type who could really know how to coach tight ends and come in here and get all these guys whipped into this into shape. But at the very least, he spent two years, three years, watching his dad coach up George Kittle, working closely with George Kittle, 
And he has to have taken something away from that. He has to be able to see that and look at what he's working with and be able to see the differences and maybe clean up those differences. Um, won't hurt that he's going to be saying, hey, the, the last tight end I worked with was George Kittle. Listen to me when he's trying to get those guys to listen or when he's recruiting saying, look at, you know, George Kittle. Yeah. Well, again, that was me and my dad who helped make that happen. Um, whether George Kittle would have been great without those two, who knows? Probably, but he still gets to claim him as one of his own. That's big in recruiting. Um, again, he's that young up-and-comer uh, type. I'm not sure whether there's room for too many of those. Um, I would like to see more, but especially with Darren Cheverini as your offensive coordinator, um, not that I don't think he's going to be a good offensive coordinator, but he he's only had that job once. Um, you may not want to put a whole bunch of young coaches under a fairly inexperienced offensive coordinator. You might want to bring in some more guys with some help. Um, so, so when you're looking at that quarterback coach job, I think you'd probably want to look at the more experienced guys. Um, that'd be my guess of where they're going there. Um, Although it would be a lot of fun to see a guy like T.C. McCartney come in and, you know, he's the type who I would pound the table for. Um, I think that he is going to be something special. I think that he should be the guy that Colorado is offering this job to. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think that that's probably a more experienced candidate that they're going to go after. Um, okay. Uh, to, to wrap things up. Um, oh, I did want to say, I know I've been really high on pretty much all of the coaches um, going all the way back to Brett Bielema. And the reason why is that, you know, if you're getting interviewed for any of the head coaching jobs, you you ha- there's a reason you're there. there. There are good things to like. There are reasons to think you're going to be successful. We don't know how any of these guys are going to pan out, um, but to say we know what's best than whatever else is just kind of false. Um because all these guys have whatever stories and Rick George has the most information, but there have been a lot of guys who can find qualities that you like. Um, Brett Bielema, you know, he's had success. Does he fit perfectly in Boulder? I don't think so. And I guess Carl or not Carl Durrell, uh, Rick George didn't think so either. Neither did Lance Carl. Um, and just popped in my mind. I wonder if Rick George does end up taking that Pac-12 commissioner job. Oh, yeah, I think... Oh, are we getting into that? We'll get into that in a second. But if Rick George actually does take uh, that Pac-12 commissioner job, which he hasn't been offered or anything, um, I wonder if Lance could be seen as his replacement. Um, I could see it. I could see it for sure. Um, But also... Uh, it was reported over the weekend that campus officials from all the Pac-12 schools have started to talk about uh, Larry Scott, and uh, they think that there will be a decision made about his future um, by the end of the year, if not sooner, um, was the quote, if not sooner. Um, that was John Wilner's reporting from Bay Area News. So, yeah, uh, worth keeping that in mind. I think uh, you could definitely see Rick George's name pop up 
and be the next guy and be in that conversation if they do decide to move on from Larry Scott, which I expect them to. I'd be pretty disappointing if they didn't. Um, yeah. Uh, I do think you're kind of getting to that time frame like we were talking about. You're going to start seeing negotiations uh, 2021, 2022, um, I think, for this next TV deal, uh, which would make sense that you would get rid of this Larry Scott if you're planning to before 2021. Um, so, yeah. There we go. It might even be 2022 before they start those discussions. Maybe even 2023. Uh, that derailed me, but that thought popped into my head. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to say. There's there's a lot going on. There's still some open spots. Um, one more note on uh, Chris Wilson is that he, while he was at Oklahoma, he was coaching defensive ends and was also special teams coordinator. Uh, it could be that Colorado decides to make one of the assistant coaches their special teams coordinator. Um, I would like for them to bring in somebody new who's solely focused on that. I think that that's pretty much always the best option, but it's also more expensive to bring in another coach. Um, obviously, it's a whole nother salary. Um, so we'll see whether they can do that or not. Um so that, that job is still open. You also have your offensive line coach and your quarterback's coach jobs open. Um, so there you go. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on any of this, leave them in the comment section for today's show at thednvr.com, and we'll get to those tomorrow. Um, comments, questions, you want my thoughts, you want to share your thoughts, um, that's how you do it. I'm really excited about all these guys. Um, you know, the biggest question marks right now really are the coordinators. Uh, Chev, um, is he is he a good offense coordinator? We do not know. Um, but then you look through the rest of his staff. Tight ends coach, you, f- you feel good. You think he's going to be a good coach. Darian Hagan, I like. I think he's, he's a good coach. Um, defensive line, uh, I think that you upgraded there. Uh, linebackers, Summers, of course, and... Uh, Defensive backs, I think you upgraded there. Um, is that everybody? Oh, outside linebackers, Brian Mikulowski, you retained, and he is very good. I think it's there's there's real potential for this to be a significantly better group of coaches than Colorado had last year. And if they retain um, uh, the all of their players throughout this process, then... I mean, it'd be pretty easy to argue that Colorado got better this offseason, which is pretty crazy considering where we were um, when the first report of Mel potentially leaving came out. Um, Yeah, if they can finish off strong, bring in a good quarterbacks coach, a strong offensive line coach, they're going to be in great shape. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow, of course, to talk more about this, probably some Buffs basketball too. basketball frustrating but we don't have to talk about it today all right bye guys i think they like my colorado sway cuz when i'm in it play i don't really i don't really know just how to a and when i'm in it go you know i'm acting bad holly get a bus with my colorado sway my colorado sway my colorado sway i think they like i think they like my colorado sway my colorado sway Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado's
swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speeding past competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swag and it's the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of war. Got me feeling tribal, big 12, here we come, we ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Quick back, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bucks, get them bucks, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them, when we see them, then we have them like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play